1: Blog podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always, and we are back on the Tar Heel recruiting trail tonight, meaning that my co-host for this evening, Zach Hubbard, is here to talk to us about... Two Tar Heel commitments in the past week. You got Justin Kenyuk, the three-star offensive tackle from the state of Pennsylvania that committed over uh, earlier in the week. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you have Marcus Allen, who sort of bookended the month of June perfectly by committing uh, yesterday on Wednesday uh, on June 30th. And we're going to talk about both of those here tonight. We're going to tell you what it means for some of the other Tar Heel targets at that position. And we may touch a little bit on Travis Shaw at the end of the episode. Uh, Some more news coming out about him uh, as he took his official visit to campus this weekend. And uh, some really positive vibes coming out for the Tar Heels. So we'll touch on that at the end of the episode. But let's start with the guy that committed first out of this group, Justin Kanyuk. Uh, The three-star offensive tackle out of Bethlehem Catholic High School in Bethlehem Pennsylvania Uh, he was a guy that Carolina offered uh, just recently uh, in the month of June actually at the start of the month back on June 5th Carolina offered him while he was on campus uh, for a visit and he ends up committing to Carolina on Sunday he took his official visit from you know from the 25th to the 27th and as he left his official visit he went ahead and committed to Carolina not really shocking Uh, this was one that I think a lot of people expected when they knew Kenyuk was going to be on campus for a visit and uh, it, it gives Carolina, you know, a guy in the class that uh, I think was relatively unknown. Uh, a lot of people probably looked at him and said, well, he's an unranked prospect. Well, that was because he wasn't ranked on rivals at the time. He is now. Uh, and he is a guy that is now rated as a three-star. Uh, he is the number 103 offensive tackle in the class, the number 23 player from the state of Pennsylvania, according to 24-7 Sports Composite rankings and you know he's actually not the lowest rated recruit in the class that's Deuce Caldwell that's something that will probably change going forward and Kenyuk again remember he's got another year of high school football uh, as well and uh, you know Zach just wanted to sort of get your uh, initial reactions and your initial takeaways from uh, taking a look at at, at Kenyuk a guy who uh, I definitely think uh, you know if you turn on the film you you can see some of the reasons why uh, the Tar Heel staff extended him an offer, and, and, and why he has a chance to succeed here uh, if he can come in and, and do the things he needs to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just to give sort of a background on his measurables, listed um, officially on 24/7 Sports as six five two ninety. I've seen some outlets report him as a six 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 seven guy, so to split the difference, we'll probably say about six six. But right there, at sort of your, I'd say, average or um, ideal offensive tackle height, not necessarily an elite guy, not a five-star guy or high four-star, but certainly a guy that is a power five caliber player. I mean, like you mentioned, you look at his film, you see just the measurables there. You see, you know, the body that stands out on the high school level. You, You see his strength. You see his ability to move at the offensive tackle position. Uh, We know, you know, of course, he is a guy from a smaller high school, probably hasn't had the opportunity to hit that many camps, uh, which sort of plays into, you know, the ranking that we've seen here. Um, And as I mentioned, you know, we wouldn't necessarily project him at this time as, you know, a an elite player as a five-star, four-star player, but certainly a type that you're going to come in and you know have as a developmental option and build. And I think one of the most important things to mention here um, is his camp performances that he's had um, over the month of June. Obviously, uh, came to North Carolina, camped there, earned his offer from the staff, uh, but they're the same as other schools within the region, too, such as Virginia and Maryland. Um, and what, one of the things that you do have to look at in these time frames is that, you know, recruiting rankings, everything along those lines, those are great. Those are helpful. And I, I would say that they are, you know, done with merit. Um It's not that they're inaccurate, but you're really never going to beat an in-person evaluation by the coaching staff that actually does this job. So I think that's one of the main things for Tar Heel fans that are sort of, you know, worried about his ranking, worried about, um, oh, is North Carolina taking a player that's, you know, not as highly rated as they could be taking Well, this is a guy that went in, went on campus, showed the staff who he is, what he can be, and earned his offer. So, I think just on that basis alone, uh, you have to—if you—if you you trust in this staff, you have to feel good about this pickup.
1: Yeah, I I think it's definitely a guy like you said that I think. Uh, you know they they went back and, and watched some of his film. Uh, you know he ends up attending the camp uh, eventually down the line and attended a few other camps as well. And I think it was just one of those guys that Carolina looked at and said this fits what we want in our offensive lineman. And although you know it, the the traits the elite traits may not be there that you see with a guy like Zach Rice or you know even a guy like Fisher Anderson who's a you know high end four star. He, he's a guy that. If, you know, through uh, enough building in the weight room, uh, enough teaching, uh, they see him as a guy that can probably come in and and have an effect at some point. And, you know, I, I, I think one of the things, and we were talking about this just a little bit before we ended up going on the podcast here. I do think that part of this is that this is this is insurance um, you know for the offensive tackle spot where uh yeah, I mean let's be honest, you are you you are needing somebody at the offensive tackle spot in this class. Uh, there are not many dire needs in this class. I think if you look, you would probably say offensive tackle, safety is probably a requirement in this class because you're losing Trey Morrison. You know, a couple guys on the edge, but at this point, that's no longer a need. They've addressed that. Um, But other than that, I mean, this was a class where you were really just trying to stack talent. Carolina's done that so far. Um, They're working on adding some of the more lucrative pieces to their class. Um, But, you know, this is one of those areas where they had a need, they had a void, and They've ended up getting, you know, at least one guy here. So I think, at the least, what this does is this gives you enough to where you can be confident in the fact that, look, you know, we can go all in on Zach Rice, and if we don't get him, is it going to hurt a little? Yeah, for sure. That that's a five-star player. That's one you definitely want, but. At the same time, it's one of those things where now, okay, we've got a body in there. We're not going to be lacking for depth. We're not going to be in a spot where we're going to be scrambling, having to find somebody in the transfer portal at the last second. We can do that if we want to, but we've definitely got a a body in here that can fill uh, you know, for for the numbers who's going to leave potentially to go to the next level. So I, I think that's a big big thing about this commitment but at the same time you know when I watched his film you know I saw a guy that was pretty pretty athletic I think he's got the size already that's there to to me there's no doubt if he's 6'6 if he's 6'5 it doesn't really matter I mean he's around 290 pounds probably will be somewhere around that again this year could get up to right around 300 that's typically where you want your offensive tackles to be uh, at the college football level right now Um, I think one of the other things that I really liked about him was he was a very technically sound offensive lineman from what I saw on tape. Very good footwork, had really good hand placement, He, he and, and look, he's not afraid to be physical. It's not like he's one of those guys where if you're playing against a more physical player, he's going to get dominated. He has the physical ability, but he does a really good job of focusing on the technical things that allow him to be successful. Um, the biggest concern, that I noticed with him, and it was very, very obvious when you watched his film, he is, the level that he plays in at the high school football level, like you mentioned, is not great. The competition that he plays against is clearly lesser than some of the other guys that you're going to watch in this class when they go up against some of the opponents that they face. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a concern, but at the same time, uh, you know, you, you... he can't mark a kid down for playing at a lower level. You know, if, if that's the school that he ends up going to, especially, um, you know, a school like that, which is a private school where, you know, you don't really know. Maybe the parents want the child to go there for some specific reason or something like that. I mean, look, they're doing the best with what they got. They're facing the opponents who are in front of them. So I think that he definitely has a chance to succeed. Now, You know, we were we were touching on this just a little bit. Um, I I think to to you know for for this conversation, I think pointing out the fact that we probably both believe that Travion Green uh, is more than likely going to end up being a a guard. I would be kind of shocked if he goes out to offensive tackle. I mean, he's continuing to you know drop the weight down, but it looks like he's probably going to project inside. I think the question now that a lot of Tar Heel fans have is, "What is the outlook going forward at offensive tackle?" And I don't know about you, but I think at this point, I'm not I'm not sure that this this 100% seals this, but I think it gets you a little bit closer to the point where you're looking and saying to yourself, "It's probably going to be one or the other when it comes to Zach Rice or Fisher Anderson." Is that kind of where you're at?
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, And I I think that you do have to separate them. Um, Zach Rice, like uh, a number of prospects, such as Travis Shaw, Jaden Lucas, David Evans, are guys that you're going to continue recruiting until the very end, and you're going to either hold a spot or make a spot. One of those concepts that we've described in recent podcasts of guys that you will find a spot for, guys that you will take – basically no matter what. And I think that Zach Rice likely fits into that category. Uh so to me personally, um, in the additions to the offensive line room, unless they added Fisher Anderson tomorrow, uh, which I don't see happening, um unless that situation happens, it really doesn't matter, you know, what the numbers are, are are at offensive line or offensive tackle. And I don't think that uh justin necessarily factors into this decision for zach rice uh with Fisher anderson specifically he is more of a guy that you know it, it's a, it's less clear if he's a guy that you're going to take no matter what um and he, he's also a guy that's hard to get a read on uh he, he has obviously made uh, i believe four official visits now here within the month of june um, most recently to Stanford this past weekend. So, and he's a guy that you know he doesn't do a ton of interviews. Hard to get some information. So obviously he's still on the board, but I, I don't I don't think there's quite the level of interest or uh, confidence that Targill fans might have had in the winter or spring. So I think most of the focus is going to be on Zach Rice. Um, And, you know, I think that he is, like I mentioned, he's a guy that you're going to, you know, continue to go for regardless. But I I think the fact that, you know, the Tar Heel staff had uh, Justin Kinnock here that they were able to get in camp and were willing to give him the green light this quickly. I mean, I, I think that he's a guy that, you know, even if he had not committed now, I think they could have even asked him to wait and had him there available. Or, you know, if he committed somewhere else to one of his other offers, they there is a potential chance um, that they could have still gotten involved later on in the process so I I think that the fact that they went ahead and took his commitment now I think that speaks to uh, what they feel about him but yeah I think it's it's Zach Rice um, and then to a lesser extent Fisher Anderson I think it's one or the other like you mentioned and I think that most of that um, most of that recruiting effort at this point is centered around the five-star in Zach Rice.
1: For sure, and as as it should be. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, to, to be honest with you, I think one of the things that you got to look at is if, for some reason, Fisher Anderson was to go ahead and commit sometime soon before you would expect Zach Rice to commit, which I... I Again, you know, I've there there have been articles that have been put out about him. Um, I you know haven't read a ton about him because uh, in terms of when exactly he's going to make his decision. Um, But I would feel like he's probably a little bit ahead of where Fisher Anderson is at this point, Um, just based on you know the the amount of official visits. Um, Even the unofficial visits, where he's, you know, found ways to get to Carolina for unofficial visits. I really think that it appears he's trying to sort of sort this out, at least narrow down that list, probably to a final three or maybe even a final two, and go ahead and make that decision. But let's say that Fisher Anderson was to commit before Zach Rice. If he still wanted to come to Carolina, that would be one of those ones where, even, you know, we talk about this being a smaller class, they would clear room for him in this class. So, Let's move on to uh, the other commit that Carolina got. That was yesterday on June 30th, a great close to the month as they land the versatile three-star cornerback, a guy that – uh, is literally right on the uh, line of being a four-star prospect. Uh, there are only a few prospects between him uh, and, the fir- and the first uh, low-end four-star. Uh, a guy that uh, you know is a, a little bit all over the board. Rivals has him rated really high. Twenty-four-seven Sports has him rated a little bit lower. Uh, but uh, this is one that Carolina. It felt like for a while was kind of. Quietly leading in his recruitment, I I think that you know I I don't think anybody was really surprised by it. But at the same time, he hasn't quite gotten some of the talk that a lot of the other guys in this class have gotten, uh, especially recently. But you know, he he's a guy that comes out of the state of Georgia, Walton High School in Marietta, Georgia. Uh, You know, really productive guy. Uh, The last two years, uh, was a first team all region guy, first team all county guy. This past year, earned second-team all-region in his first season as a varsity starter. Last year as a sophomore. This year, 53 total tackles, uh, two tackles for loss, two interceptions, and seven pass deflections. And uh, mostly played on the outside, mostly played as an outside corner, uh, and definitely a guy that I think, you know, if you're looking at the mold of what the Tar Heels want in their corners, uh, this guy kind of fits that to a T. You know, Zach, when you took a look at uh, Marcus Allen, you know, what did you think about him and, and where do you feel like he fits in in this Tar Heels secondary?
0: I think he's a guy with a diverse skill set. I think that's sort of where North Carolina is looking at him. Obviously listed as a cornerback, plays cornerback primarily, but has a big enough frame that, you know, there is potential for him at more spots other than the corner, including Nickelback or even free safety. So, you know, I, I think that he's a guy that brings a lot of personality to the table, which has really been the name of the game. Um, for the target defense. They want um, obviously speed all over the place. They want guys uh, specifically in the back seven, not as much on the defensive line, but the linebackers and defensive backs, they want um, guys that can be versatile and guys that can play multiple positions, and I think that's what Marcus Allen Brings. I think that, you know, it was a big win in terms of this recruitment, uh, battling Georgia Tech and Auburn. I believe his brother uh, transferred, I think, from Stanford to Georgia Tech. I know he's at Georgia Tech now, but, you know, really battled in there. I know Auburn had some significant interest in him, so always nice to go up against, you know, an SEC team and win that recruitment. But I, I think he's a good piece here, and I think he sort of fits in well with a lot of these other diverse pieces that we've seen over the last few classes in what Jay Bateman wants to do with his defense.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, when you talk about flexible options, I mean, there's a reason why he is being, you know, looked at on rivals as, as a uh, a four-star safety prospect. Uh, he's got some versatility to him. He's played a lot on at, at outside corner, but, you know, when you turn on the film with him, he's a guy that can, you know, come up and, and make g- good, solid tackles in the open field. Very smart player. Doesn't get out of position a lot, but can close on the football very, very well, which Allows him to break up a lot of passes. Allows him to also make some tackles on plays uh, that you know some other guys may not be able to track down as quickly. Um, but yeah, I think you know if you're looking at him at corner, he's definitely got what you're looking for as a man coverage corner. Not overly physical on tape, but that's you know something that again, unless you're running exclusive bump and run defense uh, on the outside, you're typically not going to see those guys. There are some guys that 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 have played that before that Carolina has taken on. Um, But it looks like that that wasn't quite what they were running at Walton. More of just typical man coverage. And he does a really good job. He rarely gets beat over the top. He's got really good speed as well so if he does get beat over the top he is usually able to recover there's one play specifically on his tape and again I couldn't tell you what school it was against because it's extremely difficult to tell uh you know from looking at the jerseys and everything like that but if you go back and watch his junior highlight tape there's one play where he he gets suckered in um and and, you know ends up coming up uh making a false step uh towards the line of scrimmage Uh, could have been beaten over the top but recovers nicely makes a play on the football knocks the ball away so I think there's a lot to like about him and here's the thing even if he's a guy that you're saying, well, it may take him a little bit of time to come in and and, and adjust. You're you're probably right. I don't think he's a guy, just from watching his tape, I don't think he's a guy like Tony Grimes or Dalen Everett who is in this class or Jaden Lucas who is in this class, where if you needed them to go out and immediately start, they could do that. I think, you know, if if you needed him in that tight of a spot, he could probably hold his own, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere near the level that we saw Tony Grimes this past year uh, to where, you know, some people were saying that he's a guy that was the face of the ACC going forward, still he's going to at least be able to give you some special teams help. Uh, He did that a lot in high school, blocked two field goals this past year, Uh, also was a big part of Walton's uh, punt return defense, made a lot of tackles there as well. So he brings you a lot of value in all areas, and those are the types of guys that you're looking for. Look, you want the guys that can come in and make those immediate impacts, but you've also got to have some of these depth-type guys that, look, If they have to be on special teams, they're willing to assume that role And play it well and he looks like he could be one of those types of guys now again I mentioned two guys right there and there's another guy you know that there's other guys that Carolina uh, you know could potentially look to uh, in at at cornerback in this class that's still not uh, you know 100% locked up they did uh, apparently offer a guy out of the state of Alabama there is some you know some rumors that the offer to Rodney Johnson who's uh out of uh, Gadsden Alabama is how you pronounce it I believe um they they don't know how you know how I'm trying to what, what am I thinking here trying to phrase it the right way how legit the offer is Um, there were some rumors that it may not be a hundred percent although it is uh, currently listed on 24 7 sports as an official offer so that's something that you should monitor but to see that it shows that carolina is still looking potentially to add more help at corner they clearly see that as a need in this class that they need to keep adding to but i think everybody wants to know what is Carolina's standing with guys like Daylon Everett, Jaden Lucas? Does this commitment hurt? And you know, potentially even with a guy that's already committed in the class and Teon Holloway. What do you think on that, Zach?
0: Well, I don't think that on Holloway necessarily is looking any uh, is looking around. I haven't heard anything to, to that mindset, but it does look like that they want to add multiple cornerbacks in this class. I mean, you look at who they've had, who they have starting right now, and that's generally how you get a good idea of how many, um, you know, what the numbers are going to be. Is you look you look at you know, what are your upperclassmen or what are your draft-eligible guys looking like in the 2D? Storm Duck, I believe will be a rising junior or maybe with COVID, we'll have that extra sophomore year, but he's a guy, you know, that's had some good publicity. Uh, Kyler McMichael is going to be a name that's going to, you know, not immediately factor into uh, the draft, but will be a name. And then, of course, Tony Grimes. I mean, he's a guy that could easily end up being a, a three and out type of guy. So you know, it, it's a situation in which it's clear that they want to take multiple cornerbacks uh, with the two that you mentioned, and I do want to throw um, kind of the third uh, primary DB on the board in safety, Jake Pope. Uh, um, obviously, you know, with as limited names as they have, they want to sort of I, I want to sort of put all of the DBs together in one bucket. Right. Um, so. They want to add more defensive backs, both corners and safeties in this class, and they have sort of those three guys as the main guys that they're looking at right now. I do think that they're in a good position for all three, uh, but I can't say definitively that North Carolina leads. For any of these three either. Obviously with Jaden Lucas and Everett uh, recruiting against Clemson as an option for both. Uh, Lucas is really just those two, but Everett's you know still pretty open. Obviously has Georgia in the mix, took an official visit to Florida State, which I know uh, was a big factor for him and will play into that moving forward. So he's still pretty open, looks to take his recruitment a little bit longer. Jake Pope at the safety position, he took a whole bunch of official visits here this June. Um, so I know He's, you know, he's got a bunch of schools as a factor. He's got um, Alabama, Notre Dame as factors. Ohio State did take an official visit there, and then in-state Georgia. That it's kind of unclear if they're just keeping him warm or if they're, you know, recruiting him in earnest. But really, all three of these guys that you have on the board at defensive back. North Carolina has interest, but they don't feel that they have these guys locked up. Or at least there's not any intel at this time to suggest that these guys are locked up for North Carolina. So, you know, really we're just seeing the staff, at, at the very least, do their due diligence in keeping those options open, making sure that they're not, you know, uh, left empty-handed when it comes to signing day. But um, I, I do feel that North Carolina is in a good spot for all three of those guys so i don't want it to sound like that right. north carolina is not as a race for these guys or couldn't even get any of these guys i think they could get you know i think there is a realistic chance that they can get one or two of these guys but it's not wrapped up as of yet i feel pretty good about saying that so staff is just doing their due diligence at this point to make sure that they have options
1: yeah so with Holloway, definitely agree um there's to, to me, there's no way that Carolina is going to let him get away. Right now, he is the top player in your class, and it's it's still by a pretty significant margin if you're just going based off of the overall composite recruiting rankings. And look, I mean, again, we can say how much, you know, some of these guys that are lower ranked players have have overachieved. And, you know, again, it's it's something that you have to look at and say to yourself, okay, we gotta take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. But it is proven that if you recruit these blue chip prospects you are more likely to have success they're not going to let him get away I agree with you wholeheartedly as well on all three of the guys that you talked about there all three of those players or prospects whatever you want to call them that you mentioned there they are guys that no matter what Carolina would take I even if they feel like the class is full in terms of numbers I definitely feel like they would find an extra spot for those guys primarily no doubt in my mind that Jay Pope would be a guy if he wants to commit to Carolina he will be there Jay Bateman has it is very obvious that Jay Bateman is very high on Jake Pope. He loves the fit in his defense and I agree from having seen Jake Pope. Um, you know in terms of where he stands, I think Carolina is in a pretty solid spot for him. Uh, he's another guy where it, it's a little bit difficult to get a great read on him just because he seems pretty reactionary to everything that's going on. And the other thing is is that Georgia is a factor here. They're an in-state team for one, and they're a national recruiting power for another. And, and they're a team that coming into this year, uh, outside of that normal group that is in the playoff that has been talked about a lot, the big five that everybody talks about year in and year out are going to the playoff, they're probably that other team that is right in there, probably right around sixth is looking to join that group and make it a group of six that kind of dominates, making it to the playoff and playing year in and year out in there consistently. Um, So look, if they are telling him, hey, we want you to officially visit sometime in the fall, hold off on your decision. There's definitely a chance that he will end up doing that, holding off and, and seeing what Georgia has to offer. But let's say that he does end up committing here in the summer. It looks like Notre Dame's probably the one that's the biggest threat to Carolina. And I think Carolina and Notre Dame are probably neck and neck. That's that's the feeling that I get from what some of the national recruiting experts and the people that are a little more closely tied to, the, to his recruit are saying at this point, Ohio State, you know, another one. You look at them, the success that they've had putting guys into the league, they're going to be a factor. And then Alabama, I think the biggest question with Alabama is where is he at on their board? Uh, he's, you know, just from looking at the safeties on their board, he is easily the lowest rated recruit on the board in terms of recruiting ranking. But that doesn't mean anything. Alabama could value him, look at him as a guy that just, you know, didn't get to go to the camps and elevate his status. So you never really know. But I definitely think at this point, it's Notre Dame and Carolina with Georgia kind of sitting there on the outside looking in, trying to make enough of a push to get him to delay his decision. Uh, when it comes to Everett, another guy, took a lot of his official visits. Uh, Carolina was the one that got the final crack at him. I think at this point uh, he's probably right there with Pope in terms of guys that they want to land. That, I think, is the guy that is most highly valued at this point by Dre Bly. And I'll explain here in a minute why when I talk about Jaden Lucas. But uh, yeah, with him, definitely a guy that at this point looks like North Carolina is playing a big factor here. They came into the month seen as the slight leader. I think at this point it's probably safe to say that it's probably about the same. I don't feel like just from looking at some of his reactions on social media, I don't think that anybody really had a major effect on him. I don't think there was a school that really stood out to him. There weren't any articles written specifically about one school that really killed it, blew him away. That You didn't really see that with him. So I feel like you know Georgia's still there. Florida State, as you mentioned, is one of those ones that I think a lot of people were kind of forgetting about in that recruitment. And then there's Clemson and Clemson's interesting because now you know when you talk about Jaden Lucas, uh, there are some rumors and I don't think these have been confirmed yet. So, all these are rumors that he did not take his official visit to Ohio State. If he didn't, then that means yeah, it is officially down 2 2. It would be between Clemson and Carolina for his commitment. I think the big thing here when it comes to you know Everett for both Carolina and Clemson is mainly who does Clemson value the most out of the two my thinking personally is that they probably value Jaden Lucas a little bit more than they value Dalen Everett not because they think that Jaden Lucas is necessarily the better player. They may—I honestly have no idea. Uh, I don't know who the Torial staff thinks is the better player of the group, but he is a guy that is considered to be in their backyard. Granted, it's 45 minutes away, but it's still one where if Carolina goes in and takes him. That's extremely significant. That would really send some shockwaves through the recruiting community. If they landed Everett, probably not as big of a deal. But to go in with a guy that Clemson has led for for a long time, Clemson values very highly and is also a guy that has made it pretty clear that he grew up a Clemson fan. I think that would be significant. So I think that's what really matters there. Uh, I do think you know Everett's probably the guy of the two that you would expect Carolina to land. But the big thing here is is with the commitment of Allen, it looks like Carolina is still in a really good spot. It doesn't seem like it's affected any of these recruitments. At all, I, I don't think it's you know something where oh well that's a spot that's filled up that means that one of the corner prospects is probably off the board that means that Jake Pope is probably off the board that is not the case all of those guys are still on the board Carolina is going to look to continue to add there they want talent at that position clearly and uh, it, it it's it's all about now where Carolina sits with those guys what they continue to do up until these guys commit and you know I think you look at that group that's probably a group that you would expect I'd be very shocked if by the start of this next high school football season for them if all of those guys weren't already committed to whatever school they're under, that they're going to end up going to, so um, let's you know move on. Final topic of the night that we'll talk about. Uh, Got to touch on Travis Shaw because this was really interesting with him. He was on campus this weekend. Came in on Friday. Was there for an official visit that he scheduled uh, earlier on the previous week, and. You know, he he uh, he seemed to be pretty blown away by what he saw at Carolina. Now again, I don't talk to Travis personally. Um, this is really just based on the fact that you've had some major people flip their either flip their crystal balls or project crystal balls that uh, are coming from pretty significant names. So, uh, you know, first, I think the one that, you know, sort of got everything rolling was Adam Friedman from Rivals. He's a guy that covers the mid-Atlantic region for Rivals. He's been doing it for a long time. Really closely connected to a lot of these kids. He flipped his commitment. Originally had him on the board as a Clemson commit, flipped him to Carolina. The one that I think really started getting everybody talking though was when Anna Hickey, who is an insider for 24-7 sports, covers Clemson recruiting specifically. Uh, She ended up casting a crystal ball in favor of Carolina with a confidence of eight. That's, I think, the one that opened my eyes the most. What about you, Zach? Was that the one that kind of opened your eyes and said, whoa, th- this is uh, th- there is a real chance right now uh, that Carolina is possibly in the lead for Travis Shaw?
0: Yeah, I think that one stands out. It sort of matches up with other recruiting that's been reported. Um, Over the past few weeks, um, information from Steve Wolfong of 24-7 Sports has placed North Carolina and Georgia as the top two and has put Clemson at third, which is a pretty big shift from – you know, our previous thoughts and what the reported had what the reporting had been up until that point. So, you know, that's a pretty significant shift. Obviously visited all three schools over the summer, taking official visits to uh, Georgia and to North Carolina, so missed out on an official visit to Clemson as they do not do summer official visits. Right. Um, the real question at this point, I feel, is how long will this recruitment go? Um, I, it, it does seem that North Carolina has gained some traction there, gained some buzz. Of course, like you mentioned uh, with Jake Pope and with Dalen Everett, uh, Georgia is a you know recruiting force in and of themselves, so they can still play a factor. But it looks like North Carolina has some modicum of momentum right now is that something that they can capitalize on now he has had conversations about a summer decision but hasn't been committal on it is he going to make a summer decision is he going to go into the fall it's hard to say Uh, but in my opinion a you know a extended timeline extension into the fall um could be in North Carolina's favor, but it also could not be. If they're gaining that momentum right now, and you have that recruitment go into the fall, that's more time for uh, UGA to continue, you know, to push that alongside their current linebacker commit Jalen Walker. That's a close friend, Travis Shaw, um, and it could allow Clemson to really sort of get back into that a little bit more to really you know, build their position back up to what it was perceived to be before so I, I think that's really going to be a key factor that we look at if Travis Shaw is looking to commit here within the month of July uh, North Carolina probably would be my pick at this point but it's all going to depend on what that timeline is. If we get through July and he's uncommitted I think it's a whole different ball game going into the fall
1: I know at one point I remember seeing something from him that he wanted to commit before his senior season. But again, that's something that can change in the snap of a finger, especially with the fact that Clemson is a team that does not do their official visits until the fall. That's not something that they haven't done in the past, like it's only this year where they're pushing it back due to you know the, the COVID stuff or anything like that. No, this is something that they've been doing for the last couple of years, and it's worked. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that... For Carolina, the best scenario would be for this to wrap up here in the summer. Don't allow these teams to continue to have their chances to sort of – You know, get in and and maybe have him on campus for other unofficial visits. Even if not, continue to sort of chip away at what you were able to build with that official visit. You want to try to have that official visit be the freshest thing on his mind when he ends up committing. Um, I mean look there probably is some communication that's going on but at this point that visit is still pretty fresh with him and I think the biggest thing about this that has to have tarddio fans feeling confident is that this wasn't th- these weren't crystal balls that started pouring in on Sunday after he had been on campus gone through the three days, came in and they felt like, all right, well, he had the, that was the best official visit of the two that he took. And, you know, for some reason, we don't think that he's feeling Clemson as much. No, this was on Friday, the day that he arrived, they got that feeling. He still stayed there two more days as well. So I think that's pretty significant, but we'll, again, I I think, Like you mentioned, Georgia is definitely a factor. I think one of the concerns that some people had was the fact that the state of Georgia had an NIL law in place. They felt like that could be a disadvantage. There's a federal law in place now for NIL That's something that you really don't have to worry about that much. That's not going to play as big of a factor as it could have if there wouldn't have been a federal law put in place. Carolina is still going to be in a good spot. You're seeing a lot of the guys that are currently on the team on social media asking local businesses to hit them up, to try to get some sponsorships. That's not going to be as big of a factor as you may have thought at one time. But uh, Georgia, just in general, is going to be a factor in that recruitment. Um, they they've shown that after his official visit, and like you said, he's got ties to Jalen Walker. Interestingly enough, he has a tie that goes way back to when he was in Pee Wee football to Zach Rice. So there's a couple of different things that could be pulling him in different directions. Not to mention guys, uh, you know that are currently on the Torhill roster like Ra Ra Dilworth, who's from up in that same area, uh, you know, guy that was pretty much kind of around the block from him at one time as well, in Miles Murphy who is currently a defensive lineman for the Toriels. So there's a lot of different factors there. Um, I think, you know, he's one of those guys that uh, Carolina would definitely – Love to land him. That's your headliner. You land him. I, I think, you know, if you could land him and Zach Rice, that would be unbelievable. But it, 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 regardless, if you land him as a guy that's in state, you beat out Clemson, you hold off Georgia, we've agreed on this podcast multiple times that that would be huge. I'm going to put you on the spot here really quickly. If you had to say today, let's say Travis Shaw is going to make his decision today, do you think that Carolina would be the pick for Travis?
0: I do think so. If he was deciding here within the next five minutes, hypothetically, mm-hmm. I think the pick would be North Carolina. I think, like you mentioned, um, that um, that visit is still fresh in his mind. Uh, we, I mean, we he stayed there multiple days, which didn't necessarily wasn't didn't seem like it was the plan initially. So that that was some extra time there. Um, if if Clemson's not going to be the pick, I mean, he did. Visit Georgia, but that's a little bit farther away um, in terms of a time frame than the UNC visit was. So I, I feel that the momentums, like I mentioned with UNC at this point, I would put in a prediction for him today. It's all going to be dependent on that commitment timeline, in my opinion, though, because I can see Clemson and Georgia, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously they're going to continue to recruit them but I can see them getting getting him back on campus I don't think he's a guy that's just gonna you know lock it down necessarily if they if it's coming to the fall and they're still recruiting him I'm sure that he will find a way to get on these campuses and that you know that's gonna hurt North Carolina's chances so I, I think that like I mentioned if the time is now that really helps North Carolina
1: yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll see. Uh, of course, uh, he's a guy that is in pro- probably fits in that group. Um, as of right now, the only commitment dates that we know for sure are, in terms of the Tar Heel targets, are uh, June fourth coming up this Sunday uh, on the Fourth of July on Independence Day. Connor Harrell, the three star. Uh, quarterback out of the state of Alabama. Uh, He is going to make his uh, commitment known. Carolina looks to be the favorite there. I think that was pretty much justified over the weekend. A lot of crystal balls rolling in, or future casts, I should say, uh, from Rivals.com. 24-7's been a little silent on it, but it looks like most people are pretty confident that Carolina is going to be the pick for him. And then on July 22nd, you have Amari and Hampton, who is going to make his commitment. Uh, Carolina, again, looks like they're probably in a really good spot there. There were some rumors that Penn State uh, had made a nice push. Uh, there's still some time in that recruitment, but it feels like right now Carolina's in a pretty good spot. They have to be pretty confident heading into that announcement uh, as well. And uh, we're going to have you covered all over the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Make sure you guys go over there, check it out. We've got a bunch of stuff on the website right now for you guys to check out. We got the commitment article uh, from Marcus Allen, commitment article from Justin Kanyak that you guys can go back and read. We've got a stock report up on the website for you guys in terms of the guys that still remain on the board. Travis Shaw's in there. We go a little more in depth uh, into uh, some of the future casts and crystal balls that were cast for him. Also, mention guys like Connor Harrell, uh, Dalen Everett, Jake Pope, a lot of the guys that we talked about here on the podcast. Are in there, so make sure you go and check that out on the website healtupblog.com. You can also check out the podcast there, we got that up there uh, for you guys at the top of the page. Just uh, click the Healtup Blog podcast tab, it'll take you there. Has our uh, our stream right up there for you. You can also listen to the podcast wherever you listen to uh, the rest of your podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, even got it on uh, on Audible, where uh, a lot of people listen. That's that's Amazon. Uh, you know Alexa, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we we've got that all for you uh, on all of those apps. So make sure that you check it out. Uh, and then uh, we do also have the video podcast getting ready to come back we still post some of the waveform podcast uh you know on the Facebook page but you, you want to get over to that Facebook page you want to like it, you want to follow it so that you can keep up with all of those articles that we talked about all those podcast editions if you want to listen to it and then the video podcast which are coming back, they will still be in audio form, we're still going to record the audio put into an audio form for you guys that are subscribed to the podcast but we are going back on video and guess what guys, that starts with our next edition of the podcast that's right, the, we have Turn the counter to the month of July. We're going to have a great podcast edition coming up where we're going to talk uh, about you know a couple of uh, different news stories from around Hill football. We're going to talk about Mac Brown, whether or not he's a top ten coach in the country after Bill Bender placed him inside the top ten. Received a little bit of backlash for putting Mac Brown inside the top ten, so we're going to talk about that, and then we will turn our attention to the position previews, will give you the first in-depth position preview on the podcast side of things, it will be the quarterback, so you don't want to miss that, that's all going to be on video as well, so the graphics, all that stuff coming back for you guys, only way to get that is on the Facebook page, because even when we go ahead and share it over to, uh, on the Twitter page, at Heel Blog on Twitter, if you want to follow that, it's going to take you back to that Facebook page, so you're going to want to like and follow that Facebook page. Uh, if you want to follow us on on Twitter, uh, us personally, it's me at HTB Anthony on uh, Twitter. Josh at HTB Josh, and then the guy you just heard from right there, Zach Hubbard at HackZubber2 on Twitter. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Zach for joining me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.